This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 47 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. We would like to thank our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products. They offer supplements designed to give you the most value for your dollars. Visit them at kppusa.com. This is Chris Stafford in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm Heather Blitz in Wellington, Florida, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Heather. Hey, Chris. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. It's uh, warming up here in Kentucky. It really is a fabulous place to be at this time of the year. You know, with the blossom out and the flowers and everything's green. It, it really is a fabulous time of the year. It's my favorite time to be in, in Kentucky. So no complaints over here. How about you? How are things down in Wellington? Well, Wellington is uh, becoming a little different these days because most of the competitors are on their way home already by this point. So, you know, the, the demographic's changing a little bit. It's kind of calming down, but um, the weather down here also is hard to beat. So can't complain at all. Good. All right. Well, we've got an interesting show this week. You know, I had the opportunity to talk to Ava Solomon, who's the new uh, managing director and chef to keep at the U.S. Equestrian Federation. And I think someone you know. Yeah, definitely, and so, so excited to hear from her, and even more excited to have her on board now um, behind us here in the U.S. Well, before we get to that conversation, um, we just have a, a couple of items of news this week. There was a CDI three-star in Burbank, California last weekend, and that Grand Prix went to Jan Abeling with Rafalka, and he also took second place with Sandrina, and Gunter Seidel took the third spot with U2. And uh, and then in the special, Gunter actually won that, and Jan was second with Falker and Elizabeth Ball came in third with Orion, and then in the freestyle, uh, Jan came back to win that with Sandrina, and in second place uh, Joe Moran and third Kathy Pavlich. So, uh, you know, things are quietening down over there a little bit too. I think now it's just that time of the year, isn't it? Um, you know, when you get from the winter season, Heather, to the spring season and the outdoor season, the dynamics do change around the country. Yeah, I suppose so. I, I, I um, I'm happy to see that uh, Jan Eppling has a, maybe it's not a new horse, but I, I haven't seen, uh, is it a mare that he's riding, Sandrina? Yes, I believe so. So it's exciting to see he has a second one coming along with some pretty strong scores out there. Yes, yep, yeah, up in the, up in the 70s there in his... Uh, just in the 70 for his freestyle. Um, and uh, meanwhile, across the pond, there are European uh, friends in, in Italy uh, are not without their political dramas. The Italian Equestrian Federation has seen some changes to its organisation. A new board of director, directors has been elected to FISE, F-I-S-E, that's International Equestrian Federation, uh, on uh, February the 27th this year and the president Andrea Porgras at the same time hired Britain's David Holmes um, who you may remember was the uh, sports director at uh, the FEI recently well he now has uh, taken up a position as the the FISE sports director and following some political differences there at the uh, federation the newly elected board members said they were all in favor of the current president and Porgras said that the crisis is now behind us and they can show 
all the enthusiasm to finally have a board that's convinced that that she's convinced will allow a big job to be done or he rather will allow the big job to be done on the first initiatives paul gross took the first since the election of the new board was hiring um the the the, um, david holmes that is the british uh, sports director and uh, Holmes will now be active in Italy to develop the new internal structure of the Federation and stimulate Italian equestrianism nationally and internationally. And, you know, we're never short of politics with (laughs) federations, are we, Heather? I mean, no matter what the country, and uh, certainly I think Italy has its share, but but they seem to be past their little turmoil there and uh, got a new board in place. Well, good uh, news from Ireland and their dressage team. They've actually managed to qualify for the World Equestrian Games uh, at a recent show in Stadel Power in Austria. Irish-born Anna Mafelt finished second in the Grand Prix with her 14-year-old gelding Coriolano, just two points behind Ulla Salzgeber. But it was Nass-born Judy Reynolds' 10th place with Remember in the Grand Prix that radically changed Ireland's profile for the upcoming World Equestrian Games. A single score above 65% by one of the evening's judges tipped Reynolds into qualification for the World Equestrian Games, meaning that Ireland now has a dressage team for Kentucky, comprising Reynolds, Mafelt, and the reigning Irish national dressage champion, Yvette Truesdale, from Hillsborough in County Down. So uh, good luck to the Irish. You know, it's these lesser nations that need a little bit of luck, maybe a little bit of luck of the Irish, Heather. <laughs> Maybe so. Oh, do you know if they sent a team to the, la- to the last Wagonakin? I'm trying to remember that. You know, when I saw this, I was wondering if they they did or whether they had an individual. Yeah, we'll have to research that. I will. I'll get on to that, Heather. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, we're going to take a short commercial break here um, before we get to our guest uh, this week. So don't go away. We'll be back in just a second. Glenn the Geek here, and we get many emails every week from people who really like the shows, and they ask how they can help support the Horse Radio Network. Well, you already do that by listening to the shows and by buying from all of our fantastic sponsors. And now you can add to that by supporting us directly and very easily. The next time you need something from Amazon, just go to any of our websites and click on the Amazon banner in the middle of the page. Then go on and buy your Amazon items. It won't cost you a penny more, just an extra click. But Amazon gives us a little bit back just because you clicked on the banner. Tell your family and friends to do the same thing. Every little bit helps us to keep giving you the quality equestrian programming that you have come to love. Thanks for listening. Well, thank again. Uh, thank our sponsors to make this show, show possible, and uh, we're looking forward to talking to Ava Salomon this week, uh, Heather. As you know, she recently took up her position as managing director and chef to keep of the U.S. Equestrian Federation. Uh, quite a task to take on it uh, as we come into a championship year for the first time to have the games outside of Europe as well. Yeah, but nobody better than Eva. Um, I know she's totally capable of the job. So let's hear what she's got to say. Ava, welcome, and thanks for joining us on the show this week. Thank you very much for letting me join your show. Well, a a big welcome to you, to the U.S. You've been now in your new job for about a month, I believe, just over a month. Uh, How's it going? Yeah, it's going really well so far, So, and it's very exciting, and I get to learn lots of new things here in the States about 
about how things are run here. So it's very exciting. I'm enjoying it very much. Thank you. Well, as we said in the introduction, you're the managing director and chef to keep for dressage here in the U.S. at a time when, it, obviously, very critical time in terms of the evolution of the sport since we are hosting the world in just a few short months' time here at the World Equestrian Games. Do you feel that kind of added pressure coming into a position like this, Ava, that, you know, to, do, to, to deliver, you know, even medals when you know that that must be you know an extra pressure to you uh, even as experienced as you are do you feel that well when it comes to the pressure i don't really feel that pressure i mean i already have a pressure of, of doing a good job obviously but i think that um i'm comfortable comfortable enough in my position as, as what i'm doing and i will try to deliver my best but ultimately, it's up to the horses and riders, and, and it's my job to support them as much as I can and to give them as good a condition as they can ever ha- have. So, and I think that's what we're striving for. Well, of course, there's a lot of moving parts, as you say, with horses and riders, and your job is defined as managing director and chef to keep. So let's describe to the audience, if you would, Ava, what exactly that role involves. Well, the managing director role is, is exactly the same as, as the one as Gil had before me, which is actually supervising the, both the national dressage and the, and the high performance dressage here in the United States. Now, I have two very good directors helping me with that, which is Jennifer Keeler and Jenny Van Veren, who does the basic job on that. And so it's my job to supervise that and also to have perhaps a little bit more of an international connection role, I think, because of my background then, of course. Now, the chef to keep job was added on because of Anne Gribbons uh, with a possible conflict of interest uh, that she would have had being on the FEI dressage committee. Uh, And that is sort of, you know, supporting the teams when they are out competing and so on, but also working um, very much with Anne in her role as technical uh, advisor. Well, um, you mentioned your background, and, and I'd like to just expand on that a little bit, uh, Ava. Of course, you were involved with the FEI, worked for the International Equestrian Federation, and for your Swedish Federation. Uh, tell our listeners a little bit about your background, and, and uh, you know, obviously it's a very strong international background, and how you came to this position. Well, I used to work uh, a long time ago with the Swedish Equestrian Federation, and I actually came there um, working as the secretary and and then uh, was promoted and worked more specifically with dressage, left the federation and uh, got married and had a farm and had dressage horses, horses that were competing also in the Olympic Games. Uh, came back to the Federation but working uh, as a volunteer with the Swedish Dressage Committee, first as the secretary of the committee and then later on as a chair. So I was very much involved in Swedish Dressage at that time. And later I then got the job at the FDSEI and moved down to, to Switzerland. And as they say, the rest is is history. <laughs> <laughs> well, t- tell our listeners a little bit more about what you did at the FEI. <clears throat> well, at the FEI, I was the, when I first came to the FEI, I was actually a manager not only for dressage, but I also for, <clears throat> for ponies and vaulting. But at the, <clears throat> we've got more to do, excuse me, 
and we also took over, or I took over the World Cup dressage. And so it primarily was dressage and the World Cup dressage. Later on, reining was added. And it was all day-to-day international business with dressage, with contact with organizers, riders, national federations, the dressage committee, and, and so on. And it was, um, it was a fun job. I really enjoyed it. So how did this uh, position come about? Because that's a big jump across the pond from, from Sweden to, to the uh, U.S. Equestrian Federation and what obviously is a very challenging position at a very exciting time in the sport here. Well, I think that, you know, when I left the FEI last year and I had decided that I was going to take at least six months off and just have a long holiday and just concentrate on other things, um, and I was actually into getting into doing some other business, when I got a call uh, from, from this federation asking me if I would be interested in taking on the job, and... At first, I was a little bit hesitant, but then I thought that, well, I have a lot of friends here in the States, and I've been here quite a few times, and I think that, that, you know, going back to work for a national federation would be great fun. So then I did, in the end, I decided that I would go, and I, you know, I certainly don't regret it, and it's going to be lots of fun, absolutely. What, tell us what it, what 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 it is it about the job that really excites you? Because obviously you have a very strong background in dressage. Well, I think that the United States has um, has such great potential in dressage. I mean, it's such a it's such a huge country, and there's such a lot of people striving, you know, to be the best here in this country. I mean, I think that. <clears throat> what a lot of people, especially in Europe, don't realize is, is the size of it and how challenging it is to get everything together. Now, Anne, when she came on as the technical advisor, she's putting together a, a really great program that is starting from ponies all the way up for youth, uh, juniors, young riders, and also for the, uh, for the seniors. And I think this will really help to build dressage, you know, to get a really good foundation in the United States, and that will bring the United States to uh, one of the pole positions, absolutely. It's going to take some years, but I'm sure it's going to get there, and, and that, I think, is something that is so exciting, to be part of that, and um, I'm really looking forward to doing it. Well, of course, Anne Gribbons, uh, the technical advisor for the USCF Dressage, was our guest on episode 41 of the Dressage Radio Show and shared her enthusiasm and passion for not only the sport, but the excitement that she feels with the potential combinations that are out there, Ava. Uh, Is that something that you've felt already from your short time here going around the country? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the little I've seen, but... um it's really exciting, and I'm sure you know a lot. Can, a lot of people have been saying when I first came here, they said, "Well, it's going to be really tough this year, and we don't know what's going to happen." So, it's not the best year for us. But <clears throat> looking at the scores of some of the riders and and knowing that a lot can happen, I mean, 
a lot can happen until we get to August and the selection trials, and a lot can happen between the selection trials and the WEG. So I'm just saying that you just wait and see what can happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, you've had a look around the country. You've been down to Florida. You've been across to California, I believe, already, and up to Gladstone. What have you been your impressions so far of what you've seen here of the sport? Well, unfortunately, I haven't had time to go to California yet, so I'm going there by the end of the month. Okay. But I've been da- I've been da- I've been down to to Florida, and uh, yes, I, I am very impressed with what I've seen so far. And well, I've already seen it earlier when I've been here as the FCI director. But I think, as I said, that you know, there's um, there's a lot of good riders out there, and they just they just need to get the time and to get everything together, and they'll be really at the top. I'm sure about that. And there's a great atmosphere here. I think it's very, you know, positive and enthusiastic um, atmosphere that, sorry. Well, that prevails. Well, I was just going to say that obviously you've been deeply embedded in the European dressage scene for many years now. What do you see as the difference over here on this side of the pond? Well, the main difference is the huge distances, really. I don't really see um, any other difference. Uh, Obviously, the countries in Europe, uh, Germany, Holland, England, uh, Sweden, Denmark, and Switzerland, and so on. I mean, it's it's so easy to move from, from one country to another to compete, whilst here it's such huge distances. And that, of course, is uh, prohibitive in some way, that it is difficult for the riders to to compete in the same way as, as we do in Europe. So, um, for sure, that is the main difference, I would say. And what about the horses here, Ava? Of course, you know, we relied so much on importing horses in the past, but now we've developed uh, through through some, you know, very, uh, you know, f- uh, I mean, very keen and enthusiastic breeders have established bloodlines in this country. What do you see in the, as the difference of the horses? Is is there much difference in the type of animal that we we are breeding here? Not, I'm not talking about the imports now, but the horses that we're bringing up from grassroots in this country. Well, from from what I have seen, there's no real difference at all. I think that the American bred dressage uh, horses, I will, I mean. If they're not already on par with the Europeans, they will shortly be. So I, I, I don't really see that as a, well, I see it as, as a very positive thing that um, uh, the United States will, will ride their own homebred horses because they're great horses. Yeah, well, it certainly is exciting seeing how many horses are coming to the fore that you know that were bred here, as I say, by some you know, prominent uh, breeders who have established a, a sound foundation of, of bloodstock in this country, which, uh, which is very exciting for us because we, in the past, of course, have depended so much on imports. Yes, no, I think that's great, absolutely, and um, it's fantastic that they've been able to to do this job. Well, it gives us the pool of horses that we need, obviously, if we're going to compete on the world stage. And one of our main targets, obviously, is the World Equestrian Games, which is just a few short months away here in the Kentucky Horse Park. Tell us a little bit about your schedule between now and then, because it has to be a very busy year for you, Ava. Of all the years to start your job, you chose this one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Well, um, I will be... 
as I said, I will be traveling to some events. Um, I'm going to California at the at the end of April, and then I will be attending some of the clinics that are being held here, either by uh, Debbie McDonald or Kira Kirkland or um, Morton Thompson. Well, he will be coming, and then I will also try to go to some of the events here to to see more of the riders when they're out there. So that will be, and hopefully also be attending some events in Europe, depending on what riders we have that will be starting there before August. Well, I have to ask you, so it's a little bit too, too early to, to tell us what you're missing of Europe so far, but what, uh, what, what do you like about the Kentucky uh, area, this beautiful bluegrass area that you've moved into, Ava? Um, what are your impressions so far? Well, first of all, I can say that I don't miss anything at the time being. <laughs> so, and I must say that it's absolutely beautiful around here. And I've been, since I came here on my days off or in the evenings, I've been driving around quite a lot because I've been looking for a place to live. And I've been driving around the horse farms and I'm absolutely stunned at some of them. It is so gorgeous here. And um, I think I'm going to like it here very much. I think I'm going to be very happy here. Uh, well, have you tried out the Kentucky bourbon or the cheese grits, any of the local uh, fare? Well, I, I haven't actually tried that, but I have tried the Kentucky bourbon ale, I think it's called, oh, yeah. and it's really great. <laughs> Oh, well, good. I know there's a, there's a wonderful uh, southern hospitality here in Kentucky, and we hope uh, we're making you warmly welcome. We wish you the very best of luck with your new job, Ava, and uh, very exciting prospects for you as you watch our dressage riders and horses evolve over the coming months and obviously with the World Equestrian Games and your bid there to keep some medals in this country from our European counterparts. Well, thank you very much. And we, uh, I promise you, we'll give the, all the European countries a run for that, you know, a run for those medals, and we'll really do our best. <laughs> well done, Eva. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Well, uh, thanks again to Eva for joining us, and we wish her the very best of luck with that uh, new position, and uh, we'll be following her. Uh, certainly, I'll catch up with her at the test event here, which is just uh, in a couple of weeks, Heather. You know, we have the test event for the World Equestrian Games for dressage, eventing and jumping at the Kentucky Horse Park during the week of the Rolex uh, three-day event. And I believe we've got um, something like 30-plus entries uh, for the uh, dressage classes here. So, you know, that's encouraging. Very, yeah. I wish I was one of them. I just can't make it up there, but that's going to be so exciting. I know. I'm really, really looking forward to that. You know, everything has to be tested for a World Equestrian Games and... uh, not least of all this year. It's going to be a really busy week, and we'll be covering all of those competitions here on the Horse Radio Network, not least of all the dressage test events, the jumping test events on the Jumping Radio Show, and, of course, um, I'll be bringing you daily coverage on the eventing radio show of the Rolex Kentucky three-day event, uh, something that we did last year with with that show, and we're looking forward to doing that again this year. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be a busy week, Heather, because you know we've got evening competitions for dressage and for jumping as well as the three day event running. Well, that's a lot to cover. <laughs> it certainly is. It'll be a lot of fun. All right. Well, we're going to take a short commercial break here to hear from our friends at KPP, um, and then we got when we come back, uh, we have uh, some uh, news from a listener. 
You can count on Kentucky Performance Products to provide scientifically formulated, research-proven products that target specific challenges facing your horse. In the spring and summertime, one of those challenges is the heat. Horses sweat, and when they do, they lose critical electrolytes, electrolytes that play a major role in optimal performance. Loss of electrolytes can cause fatigue, muscle weakness, and dehydration. Horses offered supplemental electrolytes have less stress-related problems. They rebound from exercises sooner and return to feed quicker after exercise. Summer Games electrolytes from Kentucky Performance Products were developed for the elite athletes competing at the 1996 Atlanta Olympics. Its research-proven formula replaces the electrolytes and trace minerals lost when horses sweat. Its concentrated low-sugar formula provides more electrolytes per dose than many leading brands. When your horse sweats, replenish his losses with Summer Games Electrolytes. Brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, helping you keep your horses healthy, sound, and competitive. Visit them at kppusa.com. That's kppusa.com. Well, our thanks again to our sponsors that make this show possible, and we encourage you to support them. And keep this show on the road, as they say. Well, Heather, we've got a, an email from a listener this week, and I hope you can help us with this. Um, it's a very in- good question, actually. Catherine writes to us saying, regarding riding uphill, what does this mean? When you are asked to ride a horse uphill, does this mean you sit back, lean forward? I understand perfectly that you ride the horse into your hands, which are giving. She says she had a great lesson that taught her because this because the horse was painful to ride. And if you could not ride from behind. So she asked, what is riding uphill and what is another way of saying ride from behind? Mm. Yeah, that's a really good question. And the problem is that the, the, the language or the terminology uphill is a little bit nondescript. You know, it's um, it makes total sense if you've already felt a horse going uphill. But if you haven't ever felt it before, then it, it's hard for that to make sense, you know, until you've had the feeling. And that's what a lot of descriptive words in dressage run into trouble with you know and they don't make sense until you've already done it um so it's a good question it's understandable that it's confusing um uphill you know a a horse that is going uphill of course has his haunches more lowered and his back up his withers really lifted as if you could kind of grab them from the withers and just pick them up off the ground um, which also causes the head and neck to drop into a really nice um, you know equine made I like to say um, natural roundness so a horse that's going uphill is pushing from behind and that's um uh, also another another one of those terms when they go from behind I mean they have to have hind legs that do push kind of like a car that's more in rear wheel drive than a car in front wheel drive sometimes helps some of my students to understand that um, if you feel like you add a little leg to your horse that you want to get the sense that their hind legs are the things that react first um, rather than them getting first heavier in the hand that's kind of when a horse is going more in front wheel drive where they pull from the front legs so a horse that's going uphill I mean if you actually rode your horse up an, an actual incline on the ground you would get a, the, the feeling of a horse's front end being higher than the back end and that can give you a little sense of what it might feel like if he was doing the same thing in your level arena and he had learned to through you know succession of transitions and half halts learned how to lower his hindquarters and bring his whole forehand up and the forehand is everything in the horse really from the girth forward the whole front third of the horse is is the part of the horse that has to be 
um, lifted and raised. And, you know, it is quite sophisticated and it takes a lot of different um, aspects of learning how to ride to get to the point where you are riding uphill. So um, I would just, you know, get with your instructor and see if you can get some other descriptions and some other words um, also to help guide you to the point where if you feel it from your horse, then, you know, that's what will really teach you what riding uphill is. And then it'll make all the sense in the world. But um, it can be a tough road sometimes getting to that point where you, you do get the feelings, but when you get them, you'll, you'll never forget it. And it's also obviously depending on the horse's confirmation, Heather, you know, get horse, some horses that, or maybe, maybe not just their confirmation, but they are on their forehand, you know, for, for whatever reason, they've developed that way of going. And so you've really got to tip the balance, haven't you? And got, get the back end working and the front end up. Yeah, well, that is sort of the, the bottom line of all this dressage training is to lower the hindquarters, move the center of gravity back, and load the hindquarters with the weight. And any horse in a natural state has weight in the head and neck that adds more weight to the front legs just by nature. So getting them to sit down and move their weight back is something they do naturally, but doing it on command is you know what makes it a little tough and to figure out how to encourage them that way. So, yeah, we're trying to get the, the weight out of the forehand onto the hind legs and so the the front of the horse can be more free and lifted and um yeah better balance all the way around that really is the the definition of dressage the definition of dressage i think we'll use that as your tip of the week as well heather oh i think we can do that (laughs) (laughs) all right well thanks so much well, this seems to have been this this week's the show seems to have gone past pretty quickly. Heather, to tell us a little bit about what your plans are now for the summer. Are you, are you traveling to clinics anytime soon? Um, I, I will be doing some clinics this summer and um, just in various parts of the state so far. I'm maybe going to look into scheduling something um, in in Europe also, maybe sort of Scandinavia area. And um, still trying to figure out what we do for the summer months as far as where we're going to kind of plant ourselves. It might get a little hot for me down here in Florida. So looking into some more northern latitudes where we can um, survive the summer. (laughs) Ah. Well, of course, we couldn't let this show go past without asking about Paragon. You know, we used to have his diary here. and and So we look forward to the updates. How's he doing? Well, Paragon is doing really well. He's having a great spring. Um, you know, the shows are off pressure, no pressure for showing right now because I don't have any plans to do that for a few months. And um, I'm, I'm letting him have some fun time. I um, actually gave my boyfriend a lesson on him. It was quite fun. He, he thought he thought that was great too. Um, but we're just doing a little, a little hard, you know, a little hard work maybe for. 10 minutes a day or so right now and a lot of fun and hacking out and just a little downtime. The season was a little intense and he had the trip all the way over from Europe and I think it's time for him just to just to settle and have fun and then we'll maybe do some more intense stuff starting up kind of next month sometime. So a little spring vacation for, for Paragon. Yeah. Well, good for him. And I know, you know he's awfully popular on Facebook, isn't he? He created his own fan page. I'm just amazed. Yes, he is. He has uh, quite a few fans, and he likes to clickety-clack on his little keyboard in his stall every now and then. So I'm going to have to get on him, though. I think he's he's lacking a bit on his posts. So I'll have him. Oh, is he? Uh, <laughs> yeah, put some more posts up. But he's got a fan page. Just You can search Paragon on uh, Facebook. Well, you know, maybe it would be easier for him if you bought him an iPad that you could put in the stall. 
He would love that. He was asking me for one. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to wait for the one with a with a three G network, though. So that's the end of that, right? <laughs> well, I figured it would be a lot easier for him to have that touch screen rather than fiddling with the keyboards all the time. That's true. That's a really great point. He can just use his, his little nostrils to do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there are horses that paint. You know that, don't you? I mean, there are horses that put a paintbrush in their mouth and they do this kind of therapy painting. Wow, but those are great. So if you think Paragon has got some keyboard skills and computer skills already, you know, he may want to be developing his artistic uh, side as well. <laughs> We're going to make a monster out of him. <laughs> well, you've always said he's a bit of a ham, right? He is, and he's quite multi-talented. Oh, well, absolutely. Well, we look forward to him coming back on, uh, when he's ready. Uh, meanwhile, have a great spring with him, Heather. It sounds like a lot of fun. And I uh, hope you'll come back in a few weeks' time and bring us I'll, up to date. I'll definitely do that. All right. Well, I want to remind everybody um, that you can reach us, of course, at chris at horseradionetwork.com if you have any questions or suggestions for Heather or any, any queries about tips for the week, too. Uh, Chris at horseradionetwork.com or you can leave a voicemail if you prefer at 270-803-0025 don't forget just like Paragon we've got a fan page on Facebook and you can also follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio or Chris E. Stafford all our show notes and links are always on our website too with each episode and we'll tweet to tweet away when those episodes are ready when they're posted And uh, don't forget to uh, support our sponsors as well who make this show possible. I want to thank our editor, Brian and Glenn, for making us sound good every week. And uh, don't forget to check out the other shows on the Horse Radio Network, not least of all the new Jumping Radio show, which I co-host with Pamela Young. We're out of the starting gate with that, and we have some great guests every week, so check that out at jumpingradio.com. And also the the World Equestrian Games 2010 radio show, uh, which is uh, hosted by Glenn and Samantha. Check them, check them out. They uh, bring you updates on what's happening in the lead-up to the World Equestrian Games later in this year. All that and more on the Horse Radio Network, so don't forget to check out our other shows. Well, Heather, I want to thank you for, for being here in the co-host seat again this week. Well, you're very welcome. I, I do have, I, I have a joke for you. Oh, you... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and before we go, I have to tell you, I have to um, ask you, why do you think that a chicken coop only has two doors? Why does a chicken coop only have two doors? Well, if ah. it had four doors, ah. do you know? Uh, I think, I think, I think I know, but go ahead. Well, I'll tell you, if it had four doors, it would be a chicken sedan. It would be a chicken sedan, yes. <laughs> Okay, so that's the joke for the week. That's we will remember you now uh, until the next. Now you've set a precedent, and you'll have to provide a joke every time you're on the show. (laughs) Oh boy! Okay, you're in for it now. (laughs) All right. Well, again, thanks so much for joining us, Heather. I appreciate it. I'll be back here in the seat uh, with another co-host next week, and as as ever, same time, same place. So until then, Uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and mind your riding. (laughs) 